Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. This week's guest is a Palestinian entrepreneur, activist, content creator, rapper, and some of you might know him as Ahul Sharmouta. Uh, welcome, Marwan Abdelhamid. Ahla wa sahla. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. You actually just celebrated a birthday yesterday, so happy birthday. Thank you, Noor. Yeah, yesterday I um, turned 20. 20? I mean, 20 is a good year. 20 is, 20 is a good year. What did you do? Uh, yesterday honestly i'm um i'm i'm not feeling the best i'm kind of sick so we went we actually yesterday me and my girlfriend went uh your beautiful to, girlfriend my beautiful girlfriend yeah <laughs> and we went to uh, this place called zaytun so I, I live in santa barbara and there's this arab uh, restaurant we went to zaytun and celebrated but then i came back because i i was feeling like shit to be honest well i'm sorry that you're feeling like shit no uh, i feel better today thanks okay well that's good then, then I, I retract my apology. Um, and for those of you who don't know why I called his girlfriend his beautiful girlfriend, so Marwan has a TikTok account where he creates amazing videos. And every single time he refers to his girlfriend, he calls her his beautiful girlfriend. And I can't tell you how much it warms my heart, my cold, cold heart. It really just fills <laughs> she it is, with joy. She is. It's, it's cause she, she really is. Thank you so much. She'll appreciate this. <laughs> um, no, but it's really, really sweet. And yeah, so... You live in California. Let's start from the beginning, though. Where were you born? Yeah. Um, so I was born in Jerusalem, in Quds. And uh, I was born during the start of the Second Intifada. Um, I had to actually... I had to uh, move to Ramallah after I was born in Jerusalem. for, And I, we, like, lived... Or I lived on the floor for, like, three months. And then we came back to Gaza because my parents were living in Gaza at the time. But we couldn't... My, my mother couldn't give birth in Gaza. It was... Um, it was a bit too risky, and uh, so so Jerusalem and then Gaza until 2007. We had to leave in 2007 uh, after the Hamas takeover, mm-hmm. and then I moved to Jordan. And uh, ever since, I mean, not ever since, I stayed there until I graduated in 2018 from high school, and then I came to Santa Barbara um, to pursue higher education. Um, that is. Honestly, like as you're saying it, I'm just like I can't even fathom what it must be like to um, to live in Palestine or to even be born in Palestine during the Second Intifada or just like have to relocate and all of that. Like I've been to Palestine before, but I was like five; I didn't really know what was going yeah. on. You lived there until you were seven years old, and I think that it, it it definitely can. I can tell from your content that Palestine definitely had an effect on you. But what was it like living there? Yeah, so um, just to provide also a bit of background. So my mother is actually half Algerian, half French. So no connection to Palestine whatsoever genetically. And my father is half Serbian, half Palestinian. So oh, wow. uh, I'm very makhlout um, mixed. <laughs> and but So I'm one-fourth Palestinian. You know, only my, my father's father comes from Safad. Wow. Uh, they had to leave in, in 48, obviously. And uh, Palestine is my identity. Honestly, it's like it's... it's um, I don't really feel French, Serbian, Algerian, which is, you know, kind of a shame. But French is my first language. Um, I speak French at home with my parents, with my brother. So chic. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I'm Palestinian. You know, when someone asks me, where are you from? I'm, I'm Palestinian. I'm not Jordanian. I'm not uh, French, anything. I'm Palestinian. And to live there, so um, it's interesting you ask. You know, Gaza, there's um, one of the... the not few things, but one of the most prominent um, memories that I have is actually the sound of drones. 
um, just flying overhead all the time. And it kind of, you become accustomed to it when, you know, it's, it's this, just this constant uh, hissing and buzzing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one of the. I remember I was watching a video on Instagram the the other day about what it what it's like to live with um, the constant harassment of drones, mm-hmm. and they they were playing the noise, and it, I was like, oh my goodness, like this this just unlocked such a such a deep memory within my brain, you know, just the sound of of these drones. It was it was. Um, I, I don't know if it was a good or a bad thing, but I just that's one of the the things that I remember the most is the sound of drones constantly overhead. Which, I mean, it's it's so crazy to me, like, how that is just a norm living in Gaza. Like, it's just normal to hear that sound. But, I mean, it's truly heartbreaking to even hear that because no child should have to experience that. I mean, my mom hasn't lived in Gaza for, God, I don't know, like, 50 years. But on 4th of July, when fireworks go off, she, like, has to go to bed early uh-huh. because she's so triggered uh-huh. by the sound that she's like, I have to be unconscious while this is happening because... She finds it so incredibly triggering. And obviously everyone deals with trauma differently, but I think living in Palestine is such a, for lack of better words, like unique type of trauma. And I Uh think that there's something about the Palestinian culture that Palestinian people are resilient, obviously, you know, I don't really need to explain that. Like we're, we obviously, we don't, we don't take no for an answer. We kind of just are like, fuck you. We're going to, we're going to just keep doing the thing that we want to do, AKA Uh living. Um, But there's kind of this like, hardness to being Palestinian and there's all this like you know you have the heart of a lion you're from Gaza you're this you're that do you feel as though like when you were experiencing that anyone was kind of checking in on like how you were doing like mentally or emotionally so I I would say it's kind of a privilege it's not I don't think it's it's trauma for me especially I think it was a privilege to be able um to live there you know, to, to, to live in, in my homeland, it's a, a privilege that not a lot of Palestinians get to experience. For sure. And uh, honestly, you know, you, we always talk about Palestinians as, uh, like you said, resilient and we don't take no for an answer and stuff. But then there's the human aspect of it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, um, that's something that's often ignored when you say, for example, oh, there was this many people killed here and, and, and it was these casualties, 500 children, whatever. And you kind of get lost in the statistics when you talk about Palestine um, especially here in America, right? Like you don't really, and this is a, a big part of um, of my work. It's it's funny I say my work now, I, <laughs> but like you know, a big part of what I do is is kind of bring to the forefront the humanity of Palestinians, which is in it of itself fucked up that I have to do it, but at the same time it's important because you know when you come to America and you say you're Palestinian, it's like oh Palestinian that that's um you know that's controversial, yeah. and I'm like. Yeah okay, well, this is my identity. But at the same time, I'm not going to get mad at you because you haven't been exposed to um, to anything, to be honest. And you don't understand what it means to be Palestinian and this, this and this and that. But then when you sit down and you talk to someone who is trying to justify, for example, the killing of 500 people in July or the killing of 500 children in July of 2014. And they're like, oh, Hamas, um, you know, they, they use human shields and whatever. And you take you try to, to take a step back because I could argue about politics and 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 all this and that for, for ages. But at the same time, it's very important to talk about the human aspect of what it means to grow up um, with a generation of kids that are that are traumatized, every single one of them, right? To lose 500 children in a community as small and as tight-knit as Gaza, 
has massive implications, right? And we never talk about the mental health conditions that these children find, find themselves in, or you never talk about the suicide rate in Gaza, or you talk about the unemployment rates and, and the, 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 the fact that to be born in Gaza, I always say this, and I'm so lucky that I was able to leave, but to be born in Gaza is to be born dead, you know? And yeah. it's, it's something that not a lot of people understand if you haven't lived through it. And alhamdulillah, I, ha I personally, you know, have, I've not lost any family members to this, um, you know, in this uh, situation. But at the same time, like, I'm going to touch on, on, on something and I'm actually making a song about this. But, you know, the process of radicalization is made much easier when you lose family members. Um, because, you know, us as Arabs, family is everything. Yeah. And so... You, you, you talk, especially here in the West, you talk about terrorism as um, sort of, it's, it's, it, it happens within a vacuum, right? Because Arabs, inherently, we have a gene within us that makes us terrorists. That's how they see us, right? Yeah. And it's important to contextualize and to try, and this is what I was talking about, humanity. You kind of, you have to make sure that you remind these people that Ghazas were, were human beings, right? And you talk about, for example, the American army. What does the American army do? They use the fact that many, many young people have no purpose in life. And then they tell you, oh, this is your purpose. You're going to come serve your country. You're going to do great things, right? Mm -hmm. That's literally what Hamas does. That, and there is, I mean, it's, 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 to someone, it might, this might be controversial or whatever. But at the same time, if you've lost five family members, to um to an Israeli drone strike and if you have you've never met an Israeli how are you going to think anything other than fuck Israel yeah how like do you, do you know what I do you know do you know what I mean and you have nothing to live for kind of at that point because like you like you were saying obviously family is important to everyone but I feel like to Palestinians family is like fucking like you live it you breathe it it's like your whole life revolves around it I know that that's how I feel that's how I was raised that's the environment that I've always lived in my dad's number one thing to talk about is like the importance of family he will quote every hadith that relates to family that he can think of and if I were to lose my family and I've if I were to not have a job or an education what purpose would I have? I mean, honestly, even on days where like, I'm not being quote unquote productive, I'm just like, what's the point of life? Like, you know what I mean? Not uh -huh. to be dramatic, but like, uh -huh, uh -huh. we all have these emotions and feelings. So when someone approaches a vulnerable human being in a situation, yeah, they, they take advantage of their emotional vulnerability and use it as an opportunity to radicalize them. And, and I know that, you know, we're talking about it very like, like, um, you know, casually, like, yeah, obviously, this is what's happening. But it's crazy that people don't take that into consideration, when just being an observer of what's going on that like, what else did you think was going to happen? These people yeah. are have lost everything. They have nothing. What the fuck did you think was going to happen? I mean, you see it in, in the States. You have a, a lockdown where people can't get haircuts and they're, they're out on the street and they have their fucking rifles and shit, you know? Like, <laughs> like you <laughs> so it, Nothing it, has ever infuriated me more in my life. And I, I mean, honestly, like, during the pandemic, I became very aware. I mean, I've always been kind of aware of like American entitlement, but holy <laughs> shit, it was, it was embarrassing. It was fucking embarrassing. I'm like, you're like crying on Instagram live because you, you can't go get a haircut. Like, is this, is this real yeah. life right now? Like, but are you then, fucking serious? Yeah. But then, but then again, Noor, um, the, and this is something I always talk about. I think that empathy 
is uh, the greatest tool that we have as human beings in order to connect. Because a lot of my work, or uh, uh, no, a lot of, I, see, I think, Palestinian activism, not to shit on it, but it doesn't revolve around bringing people together. It's sort of, you know, mm -hmm. we want to raise awareness and we want to say this and this and that. Three However, thousand. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's basically the message. And, and I have no problem with that. But at the same time, what, what, um, what I really try to do, because I do believe in empathy, I think it's very, very important to put yourself in the shoes of the person that you're talking to, which is why I don't get mad when someone tells me all Palestinians are terrorists. Because if you were born in Ashdod, um, you know, like south of or, or north of uh, Israel, no, Ashdod is in the south. But if you were born in a settlement, for example, in Israel and your, your parents um, had to move because of the Holocaust and you've been born here, you had no other choice, right? And you grow up and your only exposure to Palestinians is through the media or through these rockets, uh, rocket attacks that you're, that you're being subjected to. Why would you think any differently of Palestinians, right? So it's at the same time when I'm asking people to have empathy for, uh, for Palestinians, Uh, and understand what like the process and all this kind of stuff it's the same for israelis because you if you've never experienced palestinians in any other way other than through the media where th we're portrayed as these savage uh, savages and you know and through the rocket attacks or anything then of course you're going to think like that we're all terrorists and it sucks but at the same time what i found is that when you talk to someone without trying to diminish their identity, right? Because I used to, you know, just say, fuck Israel. I mean, I used to go to football practice and we had an Israeli flag on the ground and we just walk all over it, it to go to practice every single day. But then you start to think, what am I trying to achieve, right? Yeah. What am I actually, am, am I trying to, to um, push an agenda that, that um, advocates for ethnic cleansing? As a Palestinian, am I going to am I going to push for an agenda that says every single Israeli needs to needs to leave or needs to be killed because I uh, ain't or whatever? No, I will never stand for this kind of stuff because I don't believe in 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 violence, and that is a privilege within itself. But I don't believe that anything good can come out of violence, to be honest. And many people will disagree with me, but at the same at the same time, I think the the advocacy that I do is, and I've gotten a lot of uh, of people reaching out to me saying, you know, thank you for, for not saying I don't exist as an Israeli, for example, because, you know, on TikTok, all the comments are like, oh, Israel equals uh, mm -hmm. toilet paper and stuff. And I'm like, okay. It's, a, it's embarrassing. Do you, do you think you're changing someone's mind? Like, think of it as a Palestinian. If someone comes and tells you, that, which happened to me last week, you know, like, what, like, what is Palestine? Well, how are you Palestinian? You're Israeli. And am I going to change my mind? I'm going to be like, yeah, actually, you know what? You're right. Like, actually, yeah, I'm Israeli. Like, just kidding. I'm not Palestinian anymore. Let me just like snap my fingers and disappear. <laughs> but it's the same thing on the other side. They're human beings, right? They're human beings that have a, a very, that have a big attachment and have a, they have a history of intergenerational trauma, which we're not taught about, right? We're not taught about the persecution of Jews and the reasons why they feel like they are so attached to this land and they need to have this land. We're not taught about that. And uh, to be honest, this has been something that I've done on my uh, like on my own. And uh, at the end of the day, when you start to realize that th these people are human beings, uh, and uh, not every single Zionist is evil, and not every this and this and that, and uh, you try to to teach people without denying them their identity, without denying their history, without denying them a future, then you start to see some results. You start to say you start to see people sort of opening up. 
and uh, I think that's the, the for me that that is my goal. The goal is to bring people together, not divide them, because I don't believe in the division of this land. I don't believe that, for example, Jerusalem should be split bet between sectarian divisions. I think that's a very colonial way of looking at things. And it's a legacy of colonialism, which we don't talk about. The legacy of divide and rule, the partition plan. Uh, it, it's not anything that I would advocate for ever in my lifetime, at least now. Yeah, and I think that, first of all, you're like wise beyond your years. Like, I'm just sitting here, <laughs> guys, and like, I'm just like, how, 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 why? Like, why do grown adults, grown adults can't grasp these concepts or ideas. And and I, I really respect the fact that you've taken it upon yourself to learn about what that Israeli experience is like. And, and similar to you, I mean, I grew up in a very Palestinian household. I mean, the news is on all the time. My dad never like sat me down and was like, nor repeat after me, fuck Israel. But when you see Israeli soldiers marching into people's houses on Al Jazeera, you know, as a child, you're like, yeah, like low key fuck Israel. Like this sucks. Yeah, Yahudi yeah, yeah. I mean, that my grandma did teach me that song. Shout out to my grandma. She's dead. Alirhamha, but uh that was a song that I learned at the age five. Um, but you know, I think that as I got older, especially I think something that was important for me personally was living in America, interacting with Jews and just realizing like, oh, wait a second, I really like Jews. Like Jews uh -huh. are actually more like me than most other people are. Like I, I relate to more Jews than more Arab Americans, to be honest with you, just in my experience. Uh -huh, I think that uh -huh. we have very similar perspectives and like culturals and, and, and all this stuff, but an important distinguish, a, a distinguishing moment that I had that was important for me was realizing I don't have beef with the Israeli people. I just don't support the Israeli government. And that was a very important distinguishing moment to for me because I was like, there is a huge difference between the government and the people. And the more you learn about Israeli people, the more you realize not all Israeli people really like the Israeli government. As a matter of yeah, fact, a lot yeah. of them really fucking don't like the Israeli government and think what they're doing is inhumane. And I think it all just kind of ties back into that um, understanding a humanity and, and having empathy. And, and, and I think that empathy is something that we sorely lack in, especially now with um, the political climate and everyone, you know, kind of talking about the elections in America and stuff like that. As hard as it is to talk to someone who's talking about how much they fucking love Trump or they want to vote for Trump or why they hate Biden, it's important to like take that time to like pause and listen to that person, not because you're going to change your mind, but because having empathy and taking the time to understand another person's perspective is an important part of the human experience. A hundred percent, but it doesn't, it's an important also, it's important to note that that doesn't like legitimize what they're saying. Right, right, right. right. Because a lot of people are like, oh, you talk to Israelis and this is normalization and you can't yeah. do this and you, and I mean, I understand where they're coming from, right? I always try to listen and to, to take in criticism, but at the same time, what are you doing when you're sitting in your in your campus uh, on in in America and you're saying Israel apartheid Israel ap like that's uh, for me to be honest I don't think that's doing anything I think that's just furthering the divide because those people see it as a direct attack on their identity mm -hmm. right and um, also another thing that I wanted to mention is that when I talk about empathy and bringing people together it's not just oh let's just all come together and eat hummus <laughs> right it's more about addressing injustices and trying to understand. Um, why we why we are where we are today, and I think that um, 
when you look back at it, it's it's a mix of European anti-Semitism, it's a mix of a history of colonialism, and it's also a mix of, I would say, Arab nationalism. I mm-hmm. think that like all of these socio-political factors have sort of created a conflict. Um, I don't like to call it a conflict, but the uh, a situation that it's within the interest of the Western media to tell you that this is very complicated and it's never going to be solved. Mm-hmm. It, it, when you say that, you're, dimin- you're, you're taking away from our intelligence, I think. I think when people are like, oh, like, I remember one of the first times I tried to talk about uh, Israel-Palestine in America, one of the guys was like, oh, I'm not going to touch that with a 10-feet pole or whatever the fuck he said. And I was like, man, why? And he's like, oh, it's too complicated. I don't know. And I was like, okay, let me tell you. And uh, and he, he, he I kind of explained uh, everything to him. And I don't claim, I always say this, I, I'm not non-biased. I think that if someone says like, oh, I'm going to give you a non-biased perspective, that's bullshit because as, yeah. human, as human beings, inherently we're biased. So you have to try and understand your bias while you instead of watering down your opinion and trying to give a centrist view which is you know a view and a bias within itself because you're watering down your opinion you you say no this is how I, this is why i feel the way that i feel and I, i'm going to listen to to how you feel and we're going to try to come to an understanding but what i was saying is that it's very important to to understand the um the injustices that have occurred on both sides, not to put them on an even playing field, because I think that's a lot of a lot of the times the whole peace industry in Israel and Palestine sort of makes it like it's two equal sides and and they just need to like fix their differences. No, no, there's a vast power uh, dynamic or there's a there's a vast power imbalance. Right? right. And it's very unfair to say that, oh, like the Palestinians are, are just as much as fault as uh, at fault than the Israelis. I think that's that's completely uh, wrong, and I, I I voice my opinion on that. But at the same time, I'm going to listen to an Israeli who told me during the second intifada, I lost my 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 friends to a suicide bombing. Yeah. Right? I'm going to listen to that, and I'm going to empathize, and I'm going to understand, and I'm going to be like, okay, but do you know why the second intifada happened? Do you know why the second intifada um, was violent? Like, it's 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 just. It's empathy, man. At the end of the day, I, I always say this. It's it's about empathy and it's about trying to... It's about realizing that us as the youth, it's our turn now. It's not up to Abu Mazen to fucking change this shit. It's, it's up to us. It's our turn. And, and there's no other way around it, which is why... You know, I, I wanted to come on this podcast and to talk to... Because I'm sure that you have a lot of young viewers. It's our time now. It's our time. And I always say this. Imagine the PLO had Zoom. Imagine the PLO could talk, communicate, and do social media and all this and this and that. We could have had something, you know, because the PLO was very fragmented. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, uh, now we can build bridges. I mean, social media is set up right now in a way where they're victims to their own business models, which sucks because they have to show you ads that align with what you believe and they entrench you within these, um, they entrench you within these uh, echo chambers. And then, and this is something on, in, in Palestine, Israel, that I that, that's that's so annoying to me because you, they show you information that you want to see, and it validates your feelings, and they and you're never presented with an with an opposite viewpoint. So then, when, for example, you go on campus and you see uh, uh, an Israeli flag, which is this is a personal experience for me. The first time I came here and I saw an Israeli flag, I had not I had uh, knots in my stomach, yeah. and then I was I started to think about it. I'm like, man, why like. Why did I was almost gonna throw up Noor when I saw that flag? And I was like, okay, why? Why like why or even a yarmulke? I saw a guy wearing a yarmulke and I was like, oh and then I started yeah. to think about it. I'm like, why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? And then you start to self-reflect. And this is I think a privilege within itself 
because I haven't lost any family members. I haven't, you know, been in Gaza. At the, I, like, I am very, very, very privileged. Very privileged. And to be honest, instead of sitting back and saying, oh, I'm privileged, no, 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 I'm going to use that privilege to try and make a change, right? Because if it's not us, it's then no one else will. If it's not us, who the fuck is going to fight climate change in, in the blood? You know? Yeah. If we yeah. keep being divided on these ethnic religious uh, lines, which which honestly it serves the the interests of the West because then they can keep sending um, they can keep sending uh, military aid to Israel and keep policing us. No, it's like if we if we keep being divided and if we keep giving these, um, for example, the Likud or or Hamas, we keep giving giving these people power. We're just going to be more and more divided. People are going to make more and more money at the top. And who's going to suffer? It's the Palestinians and the Israelis, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And and I I see it first and foremost as human beings. It's like human beings are going to suffer. And uh, I I'm not uh, I don't want people to suffer. Like that's at the forefront of my goal in life is to reduce the suffering of, of people, which is why, for example, yesterday we raised, and this is insane, we raised $1,700 for a family in Gaza just off of Instagram. I put a story. And you know, pe- like people want to help. It's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, like... Uh- even for me, I, I have never lived in Palestine. I've been there, like I said, one time in my life. My parents are like pretty Palestinian, but they're not the most Palestinian. And even for me, if I even hear, what's that song that's on TikTok, the, the Palestinian song that I feel like was viral for a moment? I, I can't remember. Palestinian. Maybe, yeah, 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 that song. I can't explain to you the feeling that I feel. I'm sure you probably get it to a certain degree or you 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 probably get it more than I do. I feel so like intensely I like feel like I love Palestine so much I can't even express it. I can't I can't put it into words. Like it's this weird innate attachment to Palestine that I think that a lot of us have especially Palestinian Americans where when we see an opportunity to help a Palestinian family or to donate to an organization we we're more than happy to do it because we we understand what's happening we know we all know someone who has family in Palestine and we have empathy for that person but it's it's just this what more can we do? I feel like that's always been so new. Where, yeah. So this is the perfect segue into yeah. talking about what I do. Can I, you I just to... host my podcast for me? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, but I'm, I... I'm going to give it to you. I'm I'm officially transferring the podcast to Marwan now. Um, he can have it. Uh, I feel like he has more important things to say than I do. No. I'm literally just like sitting here nodding my head, like, "Holy shit! Can I like adopt you? Are you my son now? <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? Like, Thank are, you like, so much, Noor. Like, Thank you're, you. It- yeah, go. No, ahead. no, go ahead, go ahead. Palestinians interrupting each other. <laughs> no, I was, I was gonna say, um, I think so. You were talking about helping Palestinians and how yeah. everyone wants to help. I yeah. think, I think this is a good segue um, into talking about like the, the the business and the company and the like the startup that yes, yes, that I I'm running. So, yeah. um, as you were saying, every single Palestinian wants to help, right? But when you go on Google and you search how to help Palestine, what do you get? You get petitions which don't do mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. You get, you know, these kind of sketch websites where it's like, donate to this, donate to that. And my, my mom works for UNRWA, the United Nations Reliefs and Works Agency. So I'm not saying don't donate to international organizations. Yeah. Uh, but I'm saying, what, what, what I am saying is that there's a big lack in this uh, department of how can I help, right? There is no platform that can bring people together 
So what we've done at Grow Home, so the company is called Grow Home. What we've done is we've identified this, this um, number one, this need, an inherent um, belief that I, w- or not belief, this need to help as diasporas. We want to help, but we just don't know how. And we've also identified the fact that we think the best way to help is to get in contact, connect with, and, and support young entrepreneurs. I think that entrepreneurship inherently you're, you're you're solving problems and who is best suited to solve a problem in gaza is it a is, is it like a, a french guy that's going to come that has uh, international development experience for, for 20, no it's a ghazawi he knows or she knows the problems that the community is facing right and so we decided to create a platform where we connect diasporas like myself like you nur to entrepreneurs in their home countries and it's, it's in order to create um, in order to create cooperation, not just financial, but also intellectual. Because diasporas, we gain a lot of resources that aren't afforded to people that had, to, for example, had to stay in Gaza. We gain. Yeah. We are so privileged. And as I was saying before, instead of just saying, "Oh, I'm privileged," no, let's use it right, and then not in a paternalistic way, but think of it this way: if a Palestinian business exec working in Silicon Valley at like Google, for example, could get in contact with a young Palestinian entrepreneur in Gaza trying to create, you know, like a, a, a way to bypass uh, borders and to start to import fish, for example. If that guy could get in contact with that Ghazawi that's actually looking to make change on the ground, what do you think the result is? The result is, is, is the amount of human capital that can be brought about from connecting these two um, these two independent uh, variables that kind of need each other, but they don't have a platform to connect on, the amount of human capital that can be unleashed is incredible. It's, 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 it, honestly, every day it humbles me because it, for me, it's not work. Like this is, this is something that's going to change the world because the platform is scalable to literally every single country that has a diaspora. And diaspora engagement is, is, is something that every single international development agency talks about. We need to bring in the diaspora. What we're doing is we're creating, we're creating a platform that's based on a social media model. So you can impact track. You can see the entrepreneurs in your home country, what they're doing. And you can connect with them to schedule a call. There's no messaging on our, on our platform. You can only schedule a call. And the reason why we're doing this is because we're looking to move away from social media and the dependency on time spent on the app. We don't measure success based on time spent on the app. It's time well spent, right? And so if you can get on Grow Home and schedule a call with a Ghazawi entrepreneur, um, and, and then you talk to him and you can create, and that's the thing with, with calls. I feel like right now we've created a relationship that's going to last far longer than this podcast just by yeah. talking to each other on the phone uh, or on the laptop. But the, the um, I, and I always say this, there's no platform out there that's specifically dedicated to connecting diasporas that want to help with entrepreneurs that are actually making a change. Because me physically, I can't be in Gaza right now, but I can use whatever sort of knowledge or fine or, 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 or money that I have to support that entrepreneur that's making that change. Because as I said before, who knows the problems and how to solve them? It's the, Gaz- it's the Ghazazwe. They know what they need. It's not up to some French guy to come and say, oh, we're going to install a well here or we're going to do this and that. No, it's up to the entrepreneurs to, to create solutions. And to be honest, we are so like, our situation is so fucked, but entrepreneurship can bypass these problems. That that's the beauty of it is the fact that you can create something out of nothing. And all it takes 
is for that Palestinian business exec working at Google to connect with that Ghazawi guy and say, okay, I'm going to fly you out to LA. Or, okay, I'm going to connect you with this person here. Or I'm going to do this. This episode of Arab American Psycho is sponsored by The Doe. The Doe is a digital publication sharing anonymous stories to promote civil disclosure and provides a platform to lesser known, often marginalized stories. The Doe publishes unfiltered narratives from verified anonymous sources, drawing attention to a broad spectrum of viewpoints that encourage readers to confront their own biases. Each month, the Doe explores a new theme. This month's theme is State of the Union, and I came across a narrative titled, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris fought to imprison me, I'm still voting for them. In this narrative, a 28-year-old former inmate explains why, despite their legislation miscues, he's voting for the Democrats in his first eligible election. This narrative felt particularly relevant to the conversation in this week's episode of the podcast because it really highlights the importance of empathy and seeing the bigger picture. The author writes about growing up in a heavily policed school and being arrested for the first time at age 11. He explains how he lost his voting rights and why now, after a decade of being barred from his legal right to vote, he will be voting for two people that he believes played a role in taking that away from him. The author goes on to share why he's still going to vote for Biden-Harris in the upcoming election, and it really comes down to the fact that he wants to defeat Trump, which I know a lot of people really feel the same way. I know I do. I don't want to spoil the rest of this narrative for you because it's so good, and I highly recommend reading this narrative and all the amazing narratives available on the Doe's website at thedoe.com. That's T-H-E-D-O-E, like a female deer, dot com. Thank you to the Doe for sponsoring this episode. Now back to the conversation. No, I, I, and I'm literally like, as you're talking, I'm like looking up, grow home. I see that it's not out yet, but I'm like, <laughs> it's a, yeah, I, it's in beta. It's in, I, I'm like, I need, I need to send this to everyone I know. Like, I need everyone to, like, that's, first of all, such a innovative idea. And also, like, like you said, I mean, no one knows the problems of Palestine, like a Palestinian person. Yeah. And, and, and I also think that, there are so many young people living in Palestine who are, you know, they have so much potential and they have no way of cultivating that into anything because they're not given any opportunities to do so. So this creates this opportunity and then in turn gives them that thing to live for that we were talking about earlier, which makes them not feel the need to blow exactly. themselves up. Exactly. And it gives us as diasporas as well, it fulfills a deep psychological need because to be honest with you, I'm sure you feel the same way, Noor. We I feel guilty all the time. Exactly. All the time. Survivor's the time. guilt, right? It's called survivor's guilt. And I want to act on that. I want to be yeah. able to use, for example, my 15,000 followers on TikTok to change someone's life. Yesterday, and I'm really not trying to be cocky, but yesterday I changed someone's life yeah. just by posting on Instagram. I raised that we or not we raised a thousand seven hundred dollars for a family in Gaza. I mean that's Which, insane. Like, that a thousand and seven dollars, like seven hundred dollars, is going to go so far in Gaza. Like I know that even times where I've sent like I don't know like two hundred dollars to a family in Gaza, that two hundred dollars is like more than enough for them to like live for like longer than you would think. Yeah. Like I'm thinking like oh two hundred dollars like what is that like groceries for a week. No, 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 that really goes really fucking far when you yep. live in Reza, apparently, which yep. I also am privileged to not know that. Like, literally, I'm like, oh, $200, that's grocery shopping for the week. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. But um, so that's what we're doing at Grow Home. And, and the, 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 um, 
the ambition is is there i don't know if i'm i'm a very ambitious person i i i truly believe that we can <laughs> i can tell we can <laughs> that we can change the world i i i do think so and uh, i think i always say this just wait until for example we hit somalia uh, mm-hmm. wait until we hit nigeria wait until we mm-hmm. hit india mm-hmm. and the the vision as well uh, it's not only about creating a platform and connecting people it's about unleashing human capital and you can see this with corona you can do things from far oh, like you you can create things without having ever met that person we're doing it right now we're doing it right now exactly mm-hmm. and and um so so right now we're in beta um but if anyone's uh, listening is and is interested you can go to www.growhome.app and you can sign up for our waiting list the cool thing is that this isn't also it's not restricted to a specific age group or it's not restricted to you have to know this and this and that like we're all obviously we're looking to target uh, older the older generation that has that knowledge and has the money and the mentorship capacities but at, this, at the same time uh, you can target like if a 16 year old with 100,000 followers on TikTok gets on grow home you can literally change the like someone's life just by posting something on TikTok you know or or just by promoting a product or by doing this uh, it's it's the possibilities to be honest are endless uh, in terms of and in terms of uh, what can be created out of this. And um, yeah, that's that's what I do uh, professionally. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Marwan, like I'm telling you, like I am so excited to promote the shit out of Grow Home for you when it comes <laughs> out. And even before it comes out, I'm going to be, I'm going to, as soon as we're done, I'm going to link this because I think it's such a brilliant idea. And to be honest with you, I mean, I keep saying like, oh, like, uh, you know, I, you could be my son or whatever. I'm not that much older than you. I'm 31. But like at the same time, even that age gap, like it's not like I feel hopeless about the situation, but I do feel like my hands are tied. What yeah. really can I do? And and I, I guess I've just never taken it upon myself to take that step forward. And I uh-huh. really applaud you for taking the time to come up with this incredible concept uh, with your team and, and, and bring this to people and make it a reality. And I know for a fact that you know, my older siblings, my mom, like all these people, they're going to want to be interested in it because they uh-huh. have this deep need to help their people. And and I think it's amazing that it's not just for Palestinian people, you know, you're going beyond that. And I yeah. think that we all as, you know, first generation Americans like myself, like we do have this weird guilt where we feel like we want to do something for our family back home. Yeah. And this really kind of, helps fulfill that need while it also it makes it yeah easy. it makes it yeah. easy and that's that's uh, what that's exactly what we want to do and also i want to touch on a quick point um because we're really looking also to target uh, refugee camps so i i um i grew up in jordan and i played for al-wahdat for a really long time which is a football team that's based in al-wahdat the refugee camp so i was there you know almost every day i grew up with with refugees and I am technically a refugee. You know, we had to flee Gaza in 2007, although the, we're not, I'm not economically as, um, it, it, like, I don't, I don't like to say I'm a refugee because right. usually refugee entails some sort of economic right. dependency and whatever. Right. But, but I grew up with refugees and, and to be a refugee is to be an entrepreneur because you, without it, you can't survive, right? You think about, for example, um, you think about a beggar. This a beggar, a little child that's on the street. He has to think about, for example, customer retention. 
And you never think about like the informal, it's called the informal sector. For example, the balad, like you go to the balad, there's like the falafel shop, there's these old ammos that are selling books, there's this and that. That is an economy. That is a whole marketplace that is not tapped into. L- imagine you as Noor could connect with an old ammo uh, working on, like he has his own falafel stand and you could send him a hundred dollars. I would love nothing more. That that would change it. He could be I would love franchised. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do on Grow Home. We're trying to be able to connect people like us who want to help, who have the necessary, uh, who have the knowledge and who have the financial means to people that are actually making change on the ground. And I, I, once again, to be a refugee is to be an entrepreneur out of necessity. And I have never seen more brilliant people than, than, than refugees. You know, you work in, I, I, I've been to Gaza camp many times in, in Jordan, Schneller uh, camp and and these people are full of ideas and they just have no da'im they have no support and it mm-hmm. they have the support but from the international organizations who create this like this this donor dependency culture which fucking yeah. sucks because it ties you in it's like you create a culture where you don't think you can actually achieve anything right and and that's what you were talking about being hopeless even us we we believe that we're hopeless and I'm and then that's where I come in and I'm going to tell you, no, it's not hopeless. Like that, you, to, to, th- to say it's hopeless is to feed into the hands of the big corporations who are profiting off of this, the big uh, political parties that are profiting off of the, the situation. We can change it. We, we 100% can change it. And we, we have to, I think, use social media. We have to use technology in order to bridge these gaps, in order to bypass and fuck the system, basically. I'm like really like so hyped up right now. Like I want to fuck the system. Like honestly, yeah. fuck the system. Like and like just genuinely listening to you talk is inspiring. And I hope that while people are listening Thank to this, you. they feel inspired as well. And I know that I do. I have an audience in Palestine, and I feel like they're listening to this and they're like going to be like, "Fuck yeah!" So if you're in Palestine and you're listening to this, DM me and say "fuck yeah." Um, but no, I just I also I want to I want to talk to you. Um, kind of switching to kind of slightly different topic, but yeah. I think still kind of on brand. Uh-huh. You have such a unique perspective on equality in genders that I've never experienced mm. from any Arab man, to be honest <laughs> with you. So, like, I really wanted to just like tap into that. Uh-huh. You really so you talk a lot about like the double standards between men and women in Arab culture, and that's I feel like something that you bring light to, and you kind of dismantle that a lot in these very witty, very well done TikTok videos. And I just have to know, like, is this something that like you were raised like as a child, where your parents were like telling you this or is this something that you just kind of like explored and you know discovered on your own uh-huh so i no, i was i was res- i was uh, raised a feminist my mother my mother is my, my my role model in life she is who i look up to she is a feminist and you know her story is incredible and i i i'm i, I want her to share it to the world because it deserves to be shared i'll let her do that though but no i was i was raised a feminist and um and you know you you grow up in a patriarchal society and i never really understood um why people thought certain things about women and you know like the biological differences uh equating to sort of the mistreatment of women you grow up and and um i sort of had to sort of be a part of it because it was so mainstream you know just like Mm -hmm. like i'll say it like the rape jokes the the Mm -hmm. harassment on the street that's mainstream especially in for example, refugee camps or people like places that are underdeveloped. But at the same time, and this is something that's very, very important, 
um, العرب we're not متخلفين we're not backwards Be, right because it's very easy for you to look at my TikTok for example about um, about the feminism and stuff and be like oh my god like a woke Arab man like fuck all Arabs um, I this is something that I will never advocate for because that's also playing into how the West sees us and how they want us to think about ourselves. Yeah, right? and I, I really respect you for saying that. And not I'm I'll be the first to say it. I've fallen into that before where it's just kind of like uh-huh. fuck Arab men, like they're so fucking annoying. Like I, you know, don't make comments about what I'm wearing. But it, there is I've always had this kind of like back and forth feeling of like, yeah, like I'm fucking mad and I want to say something about it because that's my personality. I'm going to say it. But at the same time, it's like, what am I portraying to people who are not Arab? Right. And I do. And I have a platform and I have an audience and it's not all Arabs. So I am cognizant of what am I? How am I portraying Arabs? And so I'll be honest, the last time I was yelling at Arab people, I did it in Arabic because I was like, OK, well, no one else will know what I'm saying. So yeah. this is fine. <laughs> and, 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 and I will always want to yell at Arab people because as an Arab, I just want them to do better. But I have to be, I think, especially after hearing you say it, just have to be more aware of it because the media is already making us look like shit. Like, do we need to add to that? Like, is I feel like it's bad enough. Right. You know what it, I mean? But it's not only the media. It's the way we think of ourselves. And this goes back to the feeling of hopelessness. A lot of times, you know, I, I, for example, I made a TikTok once and I saw a, a, a comment saying, uh, what are you going to change? This is our culture. This is adatna wa taqalidna. And I'm like, okay, if you actually think about it, what are traditions? It's basically just passed down ways of thinking and ways of living. Right. And that can change. That can definitely change. There was a point in time where slavery was a, it was, you could consider it a tradition. This was accepted by the general. It was legal. It was literally legal. legal. Racism in intellectual spaces up, uh, I mean, I would argue still now, but like pure racism was Mm -hmm. a part of the intellectual mainstream in America, for example. Now, if you're racist, you get shunned. If you're straight out racist, you get shunned and you get ostracized from these intellectual spaces. So I feel like there needs to be a cultural like mindset shift. And that doesn't come from saying fuck Arab men. Because at the end of the day, who are, like what, that's it goes back to what I was saying before. What are you trying to accomplish? When you say fuck Arab men, Arab men or mutakhalifin and this and this and that, what are you trying, what, like what is the end goal? So the way I see it is the end goal is to change society and to make it more, I don't like saying open-minded, but to make it more progressive and mm-hmm. not misogynic, like misogynistic and all this. And the, the, then you have to think about, for example, these young kids, مثلاً, in Egypt, who where there's a, there's a very, very high number of uh, sexual harassment cases mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Why are, these, why are they doing this? What makes it okay? Why... Do they think that's okay? But then in the States, this is, for example, Shandr. No, no, it's not. But like, you know what I'm, I mean? Like in, in Egypt, it's yeah, barely yeah, yeah. accepted. So then you think about it, you're like, why? And then you start to realize, for example, that these children grew up with a mindset that this is okay. They've never gotten any shit for it. They've never been shamed for sexually uh, harassing a woman. Right? You Which have, is insane because I feel insane. like shame culture it goes hand in hand with uh, not to shit on Arab culture, but I think a lot of culture shame culture is very heavily tied into it. I've spoken about this so many times. This whole this is Arab, that's Arab, and it's yeah. so mind boggling to me that like of all of the Arab things that can be Arab, how is this not the Arab yeah. thing? No, no, I totally agree with you. But then you have to think of you have to be strategic. 
You have to be strategic and, and, and you have to understand why these people think the way they think. And then you have to present an argument as to why they should not do that without taking away from their identity, without calling them mutakhalifin, because they will never, this is something that I've learned, when you deny someone's identity, when you call them stupid, when you do this and this and that, you automatically put up a wall between you guys and mm -hmm. they, are, they cannot change their mind. Because if they are to change, if they go, are going to change their minds, that means that they're taking away from their value pretty much. They've lost. And human beings don't like, we don't like to lose. So like that's, that's why, for example, when you talk to a Trump supporter, even though you have the facts about climate change, He's going to deny it or she's going to deny it because they feel attacked and they're going to double down on their beliefs and they're going to be like fake news. Right. But then if you take a, if you take a step back and you're like, how can I change this person's mind? Because it's important. Right. You have half the fucking population that doesn't believe in climate change. How do you change that? Is it by saying, you know, all Trump supporters are brainwashed and they're dumb and they're stupid? No, these are human beings. These are human beings that have been influenced by social factors like you and like me. We're all a product of our of our environments. This is something that I truly believe in. If I were to be if I were to be born in Israel, I would be a Zionist one hundred percent. Why would I not be a Zionist? If I was sound bite. I mean, yeah, you're gonna use this. But, but no, no, true. I'm not gonna use that as a sound bite. But just Marwan Abdelhamid is a Zionist. Um, no, no, you know, like, I've, I've been called I've been called a Zionist before. I've been called a Zionist apologist. I've been called not for Palestine. Surprise me at all. That doesn't, <laughs> yeah. doesn't surprise me at all. But no, like you're 100 percent right. We are absolutely a product of our environment. We are a product of the people we surround ourselves with, the media that we consume, the books that like everything influences us. That's why me as an influencer, I have a job because uh, influence is a fucking real thing that's happening uh, all the time. And uh, it's just a matter of like how are you going to use this influence? And like you were talking about, which again, as difficult as it can be to have these conversations with people who have different opinions than you, you don't have to agree with them to have this conversation. Exactly. Exactly. You just need to allow them the opportunity to feel seen, to feel heard the way any human being wants to feel seen and heard. And then take that opportunity to also share your feelings. Now, I'm not saying that they're always going to be receptive to it, but mm -hmm. you have a higher chance of perhaps planting even the smallest seed yeah. in this person rather than just completely shutting it down and reinforcing what they already think, which is that, oh, this left-wing fucking person, like blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. these, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're, you're, all you're doing at that point is reinforcing what they already think. You're not making a difference, which is why just kind of going back to it, when I see these comments, especially on TikTok of like, uh, you know, an Israeli person just living their lives and then you go through the comments and every single fucking comment is <laughs> free Palestine. And same yeah. goes for my friend made a TikTok about visiting Jerusalem and every comment is like, LOL, do you mean Israel? And yeah, it's like yeah, all yeah. of this, it's so, super childish. I, I hope that they're children. I pray that they're actually children and not adults. But like none of that accomplishes anything. You're getting nowhere with that. You're right. You're right. But that, that's the thing. We can change that. We can definitely change that. And I think the 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 um, one of the main reasons um, why right now we feel so hopeless is that there's no vision. You know, like you, you, you say, who is the Palestinian representative? Mm -hmm. Muhammad Asaf. Like, who the fuck? Who do we have? You know? Who, no, I'm being serious. Who do we have? Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you like, based off what my dad said, they're all corrupt. Uh -huh. Khawana. 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 Yeah, Khawana. Khawana. Khawana is a fun word. But I'm not even <laughs> talking about the politics. I'm just saying, like, like we don't. There's no vision, and and it's also because you know people in Palestine are so oppressed, and and most people just want to live a normal life, right? And that's something that I always say to um 
to Arab uh, Americans or Palestinian Americans that are like, oh, like, you know, like we, I could never uh, live with an Israeli or whatever. Or I, I'm like, bro, people in Gaza, like, that's the thing. You don't, like, I don't blame you for it, but you don't feel a personal responsibility to change the reality on the ground. And I think that's the difference between us. And it's, it's, I'm going to try and make you feel that responsibility and try to make you understand that by saying th- these things, you're not accomplishing anything, right? You're just entrenching and dividing people, which is not going to help your brothers and sisters in Gaza. It's not going to help. And then uh, most of the time, I'll be honest with you, people are receptive to this kind of um, to this kind of information or, mm-hmm. or just because they've never, and I don't want to seem like, oh, I'm so woke, but like people don't really talk about how do we solve things, you know? It's more about, oh, I'm gonna, I want to look good, so I'm going to post this on my Instagram story. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end, and that's also just to bring it back to Grow Home, I'm sorry, but like Grow no. Home provides you a platform where you can actually make a change. You can see what you've done and what you've accomplished and you can feel, you can create a relationship. You can actually be a part of that change, you know? And I mean, like, I think that that is something that improves your quality of life. Because let me let me put it out there. I love posting a picture of myself. I literally have thousands of pictures of myself. But there's nothing about it that brings me like any particular type of joy. Uh-huh. Helping someone, making a difference in someone's life, that's something that will enrich my life. Yep. That will, and, and, and it might seem like selfish, like, oh, you're just helping that person to feel good. It's like, no, this is a mutually beneficial situation. Exactly. This exactly. person is receiving help and I feel good about it because I was able to do something to help them. Not like I think that I'm like a fucking philanthropist and I'm like the, you know, a hero, but like it feels good to do good, just period, whatever it is that you can do. So I think that it's a mutually beneficial situation. And I think that most people living in America have enough privilege to be able to, you know, spare some cash to help someone out who, you know, can live off of $200 for weeks and weeks. You know what I mean? Like when you think about it that way, I think that it just puts things into perspective. And, and I think that, you know, helping people is becoming more of a trendy thing, unfortunately, for lack of better words. But at the same time, I'm not mad at it. You know, yeah. if, if, if our youth thinks it's cool and edgy to fucking help people, good. Let's make it cool and edgy. Like, let's roll with it. Anything that's moving towards progress, I think, is better than than not. I agree. I agree. And and the thing is, it's it's also, there, there needs to be a fine line between like the, these paternalistic attitudes that we have towards, for example, Arabs that are living there where you're like, oh, these people are mutakhalifin, like they can never change. Why would you say that? Why would you say that these people can like can never change? Why can, why do you not believe in, in a better future? You know, because the human beings change, right? It's not, it's not, there's nothing inherent with us as Arabs that makes us misogynist. And we're like, oh, I hate, I hate women. You know what I mean? Like we, because <laughs> that's what I, I feel like a lot of people think that they're like, oh, like Arabs, like we're so misogynistic and it's true and it needs to be addressed. Right. But at the same time, how do you solve it? Yeah. yeah. And like, and the, and the thing is for me, I didn't, I 
didn't grow up around too many Arabs. Like my community was my, my community was like my Muslim community and mm-hmm. my community, the masjid that we went to when we were little was very diverse. It was more Pakistani people than anything else, to be honest with you. So that was a culture that I was more so introduced to. So my version of what an Arab was, was my dad. My dad is like a very religious person, but like in a good way, not in the shitty way. So he respects women. Like the way he uh-huh. talks about my mom, you know how you say my beautiful girlfriend, it reminds me of my dad. Cause anytime someone brings, up my mom he's like there's no one in the world like her i wish i could duplicate her if i could duplicate her the world would be a better place like that's my dad just Uh to put it into perspective so that was my view of arab men for a very long time Mm -hmm. it was only until later in life that i was like oh shit there's like a lot of misogyny happening like yikes like i remember my one of my my mom's cousin's daughter which i don't even know what that makes her to me her her dad like yelled at her and i'm pretty sure beat the shit out of her because she went horseback riding and i'm here 12 years old super confused like what's wrong with horseback riding like i don't get it horseback riding is like super fun my dad has had me in horseback riding lessons for like my whole life like what's the problem here and it was because he thought she broke her hymen and i was Uh like uh what the fuck is going on like i was so confused and like growing up and seeing this it does as as an arab woman it does breed this type of animosity Mm -hmm. and just general jadedness that I just for a while it really you know it became like more of like a funny little bit that I would do and then I Uh realized I was okay what what is this actually doing to make a difference it's doing Mm -hmm. nothing at all and Mm -hmm. I think it just comes down to not all Arab men are dumb, you know, just some men are dumb. Most men are dumb, but they're not Arab. They're, they're nice and diverse. And then we have, but the thing is, is when I come across someone like you, unfortunately it is kind of the, wow, like there's a guy who's speaking out for equality and feminism. Like that is, there is still that, wow, this is so rare. Like we need to, we need to preserve this. But but then you said, you know, influence. And uh, yeah. although I don't think, re- like, I hope to to grow as you know an influencer. I don't I like calling myself that, but I know I mean, it's it's there's such a negative connotation, but like it really is the only word that can encompass yeah, what it is. Exactly, yeah. but but I have you know when I have uh, these young Arab men because I always make sure to to really be careful when I talk because I don't want to speak over anyone and 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 their experiences. But um, when I have young Arab men that tell me like you know I. I I never really thought about feminism mm-hmm. like that, and 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 thank you for for saying this because unfortunately, and this is a reality, um, when especially in the Arab world, most uh, most of like the talk about feminism comes from women, and and then it comes from gay men as well, um, and this is the the reality, and there's nothing wrong with that, but at the same time, knowing. Arab men, because I'm an Arab man and I've grown up with Arab men, they're not receptive to that sort of information. Because they don't respect those opinions. Exactly, exactly. And and so once again, instead of saying, oh, I have privilege, no, I'm going to use that privilege and tell these, these young children that what you're doing is wrong. And they're more, and unfortunately, they're more likely to listen to me, but I'm going to, you know, change their minds. I'm going and to. It, it's not. And the thing is, it is unfortunate, but at the same time, you're right. It is such a privilege. And I think that more Arab men or more men in general need to kind of take it upon themselves to do what you're doing. And I hope that you're influencing men to also speak up for these injustices against women, like these honor killings that are happening in Jordan and in the Middle East. And like, you know, I'm guilty of it as well, like not realizing how dire the situation is or how often it was happening. I mean, I didn't realize 
honor killings were happening until like five years ago. And I am a 31 year old educated woman. And I did not know that it was happening. Like I wasn't even aware of it until someone brought it up. Like as like, I think it was like, they were making like a comedian was making fun of honor killings. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, Oh, they, they yeah. do that. And I, and then I started hearing on, on Twitter and stuff that it was still happening. And I was like, wait, you're fucking joking. Right? Like people are still this is first of all this is a this is a thing b this is still actually happening and it's just like there's a lack of awareness i've i'm guilty of it myself but then also i've said this before i think that even when you're feeling hopeless having conversation Mm -hmm. still conversation there's something so important about just even bringing a topic to light even if you don't have all the information about it in the world even just saying, hey, listen, this is happening and raising awareness about it, I think makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, although I'm, you know, one person with with uh, with one life to live, you look at people and like, for example, Nelson Mandela, who is one of my 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 many idols or Edward Said, and uh, you realize you're like, damn, like they've influenced so many people just Mm -hmm. by themselves. And obviously a lot of work has been put into that. But so that's why I look at myself and I'm like, I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to not necessarily be the next Edward Said because, to be honest, I think I can. And not to Edward Said is, is my idol, but I do think that I can do more because Edward Said, his work was, and really, once again, I I fucking love Edward Said. Like I have a poster of him in my room, but <laughs> his work was in academia, and academia is very esoteric in the sense that it's not really ex- like accessible to many, and so that's why, for example, with TikTok. Like I made a video about my friend Salma Malhas and how she was, you know, she got death threats because she did a kissing scene mm-hmm. and it got 110,000 views. And you start to think about that and you're like, like what the fuck? Like that, yeah. that many people have seen that yeah. and maybe they don't agree and maybe they're like, oh, look at this like guy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, but at the same time, you, as you said, you've implanted that little, mm-hmm. that little chip and it's a, I think it's, it's, a, it's a process. It's definitely a process. And I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm not saying everything I do is right. But I stand by my values. And more and more now I'm seeing that people are, are, are gravitating towards that because my, at the core is this need and this want to help people and to make the lives of, of people better. And, um, and honestly, it's, it's, um, it, that's what gives me purpose in life because a lot of people i think struggle with purpose and my purpose is to um to help people in any way that i can and to, to make life better for for anyone regardless of religion race ethnicity any you know and i think that just in general there there needs to be more of that so the fact that you are putting that out is something that i I really respect. And I just, I, I know I keep saying it, but holy fuck, I can't believe you're 20 years old. Like, you know what I was doing when I was 20? Like, I, I, I don't know, like downloading music on LimeWire. Like, that's what I was doing in my spare time. So like, I genuinely, I have so much respect for you. And like, yeah. like I, I really think that you are going to make a big difference in everything that you do. Like, I, I truly believe in you and I want to help you in any way I can. Like, honestly, when we're done recording, like I want to talk to you about like what, any way I can help you. But you, I sir. do want to say, um, there's a new kind of, um, 
thing I've implemented on my podcast where it's more of like a mental health check uh-huh. where I want to just check in with, with the guest. I tried this. I know you listened to the episode of the Asia, So I tried it out with Asia. She seemed to like it. Uh-huh. Um, so we're, we're going to do it now. Marwan, like how, how are you doing with everything going on? Like, how are you coping with the pandemic, with life, with just in general, how are you feeling? Honestly? So, uh, I'm, I'm kind of sick right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, um, this is like this part of my life is something like I really I try always to live in the moment because you know I, I have big ambitions and dreams and it's easy to get caught up in those and be like oh like oh my god like in, in five years I'm going to be doing this and that in Forbes 30 under 30 and all this kind of stuff but uh but every day um is uh ugh, I don't want to be cringe but every day no, is like, do it <laughs> no every day I'm so I feel so blessed to 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 be where i am mm-hmm. and i just want as i said before the like my purpose is to like for example i i got a message uh the other or y- yesterday uh, this guy was like hi marwan like i watch your videos and you inspire me a lot and do, do you think you could give me some like business advice i'm going into college and i was like of course man so like we hopped on a call and uh, and we talked and then at the end he was like man like i can't believe you're doing this and i was like man thank you like thank you for reaching out like this is this is what gives me purpose and to be honest yesterday so it was my birthday and it was the best birthday gift ever to be able to help that family in Gaza that was the honestly like i i don't even know how to put it into words how fortunate i am to be able to do that and to have any sort of impact and it it's like mental health wise like i'm doing amazing to be honest, I, I, I'm happy to hear it. Yeah, and and sometimes you know you feel overwhelmed and like yeah. I've, I've been gaining a lot of uh, a lot of followers and and like people reaching out to me and stuff. But at the end of the day, you have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. I think as Palestinians, we have a collective responsibility to stand up to injustice. And although sometimes you feel overwhelmed, you feel like uh, you're not doing enough. Sometimes that's a big thing for me. Is like I feel like I'm you know, like imposter syndrome. That's something mm-hmm. that sometimes I'm just like, fuck, like, why the fuck am I saying this? Like, I don't know shit. But then I'm like, actually, no, let me ground myself. Like, uh, maybe some people might think it's cocky, but for me, like I'm doing things and, and it gives me so much joy and happiness. And I couldn't be in a better position than where I am right now, to be honest. I literally, I'm gonna fucking, like, I want to hug you so badly. Like, you are a little angel. Well, you're not little. I'm sure you're probably taller than me. You're a fucking angel. And I'm I'm so glad that we were able to have this conversation. I'm absolutely, in the episode description, going to link um, the, how are you raising money for the people in Gaza? Or is that already done? Or is that, st- can we no, still donate to that? No, we started yesterday. And it's a, okay. go, it's a GoFundMe. So this guy okay. reached out to me uh, and he was like, Marwan, Habibi, like, I know you have an influence. I was talking with this family in Gaza and the, 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 the child needs surgery and they're just in a very dire position. And I was like, oh my God. So I reached out to him, we, t- we talked and he's doing all the logistics. His name is Ali. And uh, they're sending it through Western Union. Today we sent the first um, because they need the money fast. So we sent mm-hmm. the, first, uh, the first payment today. We sent around $1,200 uh, and they, they received it. And um, and it's a GoFundMe, so I can just send you the link for the GoFundMe. Yeah, so I'm going to put that in the episode description Amazing. so that you guys, Thank you so even much. if you don't, even if everyone donates a dollar, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. e- like whatever you can do, the power like, of spare, 
like the amount of money you would spend on a coffee. I know everyone's always saying that, but truly like fucking $5 on a coffee, give that to someone who really needs it. You'll feel good about it. They'll feel good about it. Everyone will feel good about it. Um, but where can people follow you online? Plug all of your things. Um, so I have, I mean, I do a lot on, on Instagram mainly and on TikTok. On TikTok, so my name used to be Ahu Sharmuta. And can I, so can I give you a little background on that actually? Please yeah. do. Every time you say Ahu Sharmuta, like I, you know, you have the TikTok about looking at your baby and naming it like Muawiyah Muratlasim. I'm going to look at my baby and be like, Ahu Sharmuta? Is this your name? No. Um, <laughs> but basically so I, I went back to Jordan uh, in like I think March for Corona and uh, in Hajarit for, I love how you said for Corona like it was like a fucking so I went there for Corona you <laughs> no, know you know what I fun mean shit. yeah 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 <laughs> and I got like the, the while we were in the airplane they announced that every person that was coming back was gonna have to do a mandatory two-week quarantine uh, in the Dead Sea and so I arrive and, and they send us to the Crown Plaza, which is a five-star hotel. It was honestly an amazing experience. Like I could see <laughs> Palestine through my fucking window. And, um, oh my God. And everyone's like, Marwan, get on TikTok. And I was like, bro, that's so cringe. Like, no. Yeah. And then uh, I, I saw a TikTok that was really funny. And, and then I was like, bro, like might as well just fucking do it. So I tried Marwan Abdel Hamid, didn't work. And then I was like, uh, like and I was like, okay, I'm just going to name myself Akhu Sharmuta. And uh, so I did that. And then uh, during Hajar, I was so bored. So I just started doing like, like I started doing these dumb POVs and they started to kind of blow up and people were finding them funny. So I kept doing them. And then the one that really blew up is uh, the POV. So I was POV, you're fucking my sister. And I don't have a sister, but it's the POV, it's the POV <laughs> you're fucking my sister. So like, I walk into the room. I walk into the room. I'm like, bro, like, 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 please don't fuck my sister. Like, and then I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, and like, okay, bro, don't get mad. Like, okay, and then I just like <laughs> leave the room. And honestly, I didn't think about it much at the time, but that within itself, and I've never, I've never been like funny. I, I really don't. Think <laughs> I've never much. been funny. No, like I don't think I don't know. Like you know how people like they grow up and they're right. like, funny ones. Like I'm not. Oh no no yeah. Like I think I'm the funniest person in the world. So no no, <laughs> I, get, I get what you're saying. So I'm not funny, but like people fucking, they were like sending me messages like, bro, this is so fucking funny. And at the same time, I started to realize like, you know, in Jordan, there's, or even in the Arab world, there's kind of this mentality that if your sister does something, then it affects your uh, like reputation, yes. your shot off yes. and stuff. And I never had a sister, so I never really understood that. But, uh, but then I started to think like, maybe, you know, I can tackle this kind of stereotype because it makes, it, it reinforces the belief that women are property right mm -hmm. so i i was like you know i don't mind getting hate and putting myself out there like it's it's not a big deal uh and because uh, you know hate comments i just feel bad for the person because you've taken time out of your day to hate on someone so I, I, there is something that's wrong with them psychologically and it's it's there's it a lot of projecting happening exactly but i don't mind it so so um what was i saying so so i started so i started doing these like these really like like very controversial kind of uh, yeah they're they're controversial for sure yeah. And, yeah, yeah and and i had this little campaign of like abdun moms so abdun is like a, a very like it's an area in jordan where they were like they were like please be careful like on tiktok like there's this guy that is uh, creating content not suitable if you have a 10 year old child please be careful and i was like why do you have your 10 year old you're obviously not making it for 10 year old children yeah, like, like you know what i mean yeah <laughs> but i understood it and and, and like i kind of made a response video and i was like out of all the things that is wrong with our society you choose to come after me bro 
like come on you know but at the same time i understand it because like 10 if you have a 10 year old child on tiktok first of all get your 10 year old off tiktok but but at the end of but then people started coming out to me they're like thank you for tackling the stereotype through comedy and i was like oh that's what i'm doing (laughs) i I didn't i didn't realize i was like okay that's what i'm doing is i kept doing it and then i had and then i got stopped in the street and 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 then there was this like Oh my like, god, that's my dream for someone to say that to me. I was like, I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> and then like it kept happening in Jordan while I was there. Like people would come up to me, and stuff. And so, um, and so I, I was like, okay, let's use this for good. And I had like what, like two thousand followers, three thousand followers. And I was like, let's use this for good. I made my like a little video on like feminism to kind of stray away from from the comedy, and it, it got a lot of like people were like, thank you for this, you know. Like I, I don't see any any creative was talking about this like there was an honor killing in jordan that i talked about and then i started to realize the the impact that i could have and also just the name at the end like i didn't want that to be my whole identity so i kind of changed it but at the same time like i'm still you know like yeah and, i mean in my heart and mind you will always be and for those of you who don't know what means it means the brother of the whore right is that is that a good yeah no no it is yeah it's literally the brother. whore's brother <laughs> and and it's used as a because th- I also made a video about this like the if you call someone it can be a good thing you know like oh like it can be a good thing but really? also, yeah yeah of course you can be like like in a good way but it also it can be used the way you said that I was like <laughs> like that's the thing I the people I speak Arabic to is my dad so he's never saying he did I did learn the word from him which he will deny forever he's like I never used to say that I'm like dad when you were younger you used to call everyone so yeah. like don't be in denial of it now sorry Bob I just blew your spot but he doesn't <laughs> use these colloquial like terms with me so I don't know like I didn't know that can be a positive thing no, I mean wow I'm learning so much it can, no, it can definitely be a positive but at the same time I wanted to uh, and there's also this word this word that's getting in in Jordan and getting is basically like if you call someone a getting that means that they have no pride no shut off because they don't like they'll let their sister go and, and like get fucked basically mm-hmm. and you so you call them a getting and then if you really break down these terms it's very very misogynistic because you attach your own worth as a man to your the actions of your sister uh, or your mother and and then you know like you might not think it's a big deal but this is a part and parcel of the 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 reinforcement of this of this uh, societal belief that tells you that women are property mm-hmm. and so i was like okay i'm going to start you know i'm i'm going to try and tackle this because this is a big problem in our society and although it's also in palestine 100% and then you can always blame things on others and you can talk about for example the way that colonialism and its legacies has led to this yes 100 percent. but at the same time we can change it like us so let's try and if it doesn't work it's okay we'll try another way and to be honest the the whole comedic like i'm being edgy and all this it's brought me a lot of views which is good and now i have kind of a following that likes what i do and is receptive and uh, it's given me a platform by saying uh, by saying sharmuta and saying bad words. Like yeah. honestly, some people hate it, and I, I I completely understand. But a lot of people are with shock the factor is a great marketing tool. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's something that I have utilized again, like you unintentionally, I was just being myself not thinking much of it didn't realize it was controversial. Like, 
I didn't realize that the way I dressed was considered controversial uh, for someone who wears hijab. Like I know, like my dad didn't say anything to my mom. No one was saying shit to me. Uh-huh. And then I got on the internet and it was like, Oh my God, what are you wearing? Like, wow, this is crazy. And there were people who were calling me a shot and there were people who were like, yeah, I fucking love this. And you know, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to run with this because again, controversial shit gets gets views it gets eyes on it and whether it's good or bad engagement's engagement and ultimately if your goal is to do good you can use that that as a tool to do good and it's also you know the way i think about it also is like because because a lot of people are like man like aren't you scared for like like when you're trying to get a job like and i'm like i'm gonna work for myself i'm not i'm never working for anyone and it's kind of like a face tattoo like a lot of rappers are like i got this face (laughs) tattoo so i can never have a job and i have to become a rapper for me it's like yeah okay so i can never work for anyone so i'm just gonna work for myself and how i'm gonna make it work you know I mean, working for yourself, I gotta say it's, it's great. I highly recommend it. It's very stressful, uh-huh. but it's, but it's very rewarding. And, uh-huh. and you know, you seem like you have a lot of drive. So I feel like you're, you're, you. you're going to do some really cool shit. Like I'm so excited that I came across your TikTok. This is why I love TikTok. I'm like, I come across really fucking cool people on TikTok. It's a lot of trash. And then there's like, you know, the gems in between. Um, so, so for much. those of you who guys who are still like, uh, TikTok, ew, no, TikTok has some really cool shit yeah. happening on it. And, and- um, also, just the last thing, uh, you can also find me on Spotify. So I can I make music as well, and uh, I just dropped a song last week. It's called Jerusalem Freestyle. Um, it's pretty good. I heard it. Thank you. It's, thank you so it's, much. It's, it's as a former hip hop head and rap lover, I've I've grown out of that a little bit, but it was very good. You do have uh, bars. Thank you, you, you so have much. Them. Thank, but and it's it's a really it's like on the side. I just I I like to use music to like. You're creative. Thank you so much. But yeah, so you, whoever is watching, go listen to Jerusalem Freestyle. I'm also dropping a song, uh, hopefully next week when the congestion clears up, called um, Story of a Story Untold. And it's about, you know, like a kid in Gaza. And I think that one's going to be, yeah, that one's one. It's, it's, I think it's the best song I've ever made. So stay tuned I'm, for that. I'm excited to listen to it. And yeah, this episode comes out this Sunday. So uh, guys, follow him on Spotify, on Instagram, on TikTok. I'm going to have everything LinkedIn linked. also. Add yeah. me on LinkedIn. It's just Marwan Abdel Hamid. Guys, uh, follow him on LinkedIn. I'm, I yeah. just discovered LinkedIn like two months ago. It was actually during quarantine. Amazing. So I'll add you on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn sucks. Um, Thank you so much. Um, but yeah, no, he's a college kid. He's But he's going places. He's an entrepreneur. He's a fucking content creator he's a rapper he's a jack of all trades i personally as a palestinian i fucking love to see it um i like i said i'm gonna have everything in the episode description marwan this was truly a fucking pleasure to have you on i love this conversation and i'm excited to see what you do next because i feel like you're just constantly going to be doing shit thank you so much Noor. this is this was amazing i'm so uh, like thank you so much for having me on to be honest of course and as always you guys can follow the podcast on instagram at arab american psycho where you will see a picture of marwan there's a lot of girls um in love with him on TikTok <laughs> comments. So, you know, eye candy for the younger girls. And then as uh, always, you can follow me on Instagram at Nor E and I will talk to you psychos next week.